0: Welcome to this episode of The Authentic Advisor, which discusses and debates the hot topics impacting business advisors globally. My name's James Mason, and I'm joined today by George Virtue from Avail CPA in Alberta, Canada, to talk about winning higher-value advisory work and what it takes to step up. Welcome, George.
1: Great. Well, thanks, James. It's great to be here. I look forward to sharing uh, sharing with uh, with your audience.
0: Yeah, Great. And uh, thank you for uh, saying yes to being part of today's podcast. Really looking forward to your insights on the topic. Uh, so, to start us off, George, uh, tell us a bit about your journey and a bit about Avail.
1: Yeah, so I'm kind of at the uh, the back end of my career, so to speak. But I, you know, when I look back, I think I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. I've always had a passion for business. Uh, I became a partner in our firm at a at a pretty young age, so I had an opportunity to. To run a business for a long time but you know we we had a very dysfunctional firm for the first half of my career it was um you know our culture wasn't right it was just so many things we weren't doing right so fortunately there were a few other partners that at the firm at the time that uh, we kind of got together and decided to make some changes so you know we blew up our firm and started over again so that, that's you know in terms of real hardcore business experience uh yeah we we knocked our firm down to half the size lost half our people half our partners kind of had three years of pain and started over again with a clear vision and really focused on our people our clients and our communities and uh, at that point in time i became managing partner Uh, so kind of been able to use what I've learned as managing partner uh, with Avail to help help clients, we grew from 35 people to 110, I guess, uh, over, over my term as managing partner. And then about four years ago, I retired, whatever that means in today's day and age. So one of the things I do in retirement is business advisory. So I still work with a number of clients. And a big chunk of my life is, is doing advisory work, but, you know, fly fishing and traveling and enjoying good wine those are all kind of on the top of the list right up there as well.
0: Yeah, you're at, you're at a good point. Uh peak peak of your game.
1: <laughs> yeah, I you know it's it's you know at this stage where you get to choose what you do and really look for areas where you can add high value. Uh it's you know what a fantastic place to be. Uh you know so I I just pick the work that I like to do and and if and make sure I add huge return on investment, and it's good fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, you know, having known you for a while now, uh, knowing the DNA you've injected into the business advisory service lines at, at Avail, uh, you know, I think it pulled through a lot of the things you do naturally, but then you've added some great structures with all your own intellectual property and, and mine shops as, as well. So tell us a little bit more about the business advisory services that you and the Avail team uh, are offering to clients.
1: So, you know, we, we have um, kind of two key focuses at Avail that we've worked on over the last 10 years. And one is what we call shift to advisory, which is just that whole idea of we need to stop being accountants and start being advisors. Uh, advisors do accounting, that, fair enough, but, you know, making that shift. And then the other piece is what we call our integrated service model. So it's pulling a whole bunch of things together into one package to look after, after clients. So when, when we look at, when we decide what services we should provide to clients, we kind of turned it upside down. We said instead of saying what could we do, we said what do clients need? So if you're a business, what do you need? Well, you know what, they need business improvement, they need coaching, they need HR support, they need marketing. So we really came at it from the, from the uh, standpoint of the client Rather than traditionally what accounting firms do. And that just opened up the types of stuff that we do. So I just think of, you know, the things we do now we do corporate meeting facilitation. Usually that's monthly or quarterly, Uh, executive coaching. A lot of our time is spent on profitability improvement, Um, visioning, strategic planning. Uh, We've branched, we do management and leadership training. We've got a number of training courses that we've developed where we'll work with a management team and train their people we've got um, we do outsource cfo um, marketing virtual accounting so it's really coming at it from what does your client need to be successful and then how can we provide that
0: yes yeah so you've got a good base on and that's what i always talk to a lot of firms about because it was always this uh, you know, you, you do uh, the standard compliance services and you've got the advisory on this side, but the real power is in the blend of the two and having that holistic conversation with the client and going as deep as you want to go. But I think it's that powerful combination and the blend of the two is, is where the point of differentiation comes. And, and I think where you can start to lead towards these higher value in, engagements. So, so what's some of the typical price points? Because I assume you're not on sort of the hourly rate side of things. I know you've been a big uh, advocate for value pricing and the like as well.
1: Yeah. Most of what we do. So, I mean, it's one thing is we're flexible with everything. I mean, we'll do whatever the client needs to make it work for them. But most of what we do is on a, on a monthly fixed price agreement. So we'll either blend it in with their core services, you know, so we're doing their accounting, their tax and their advisory at X per month, or it'll be just for the advisory but you know the bulk of what we do would be $1000 a month to say 3500 a month mm-hmm. so you know i mean when you're doing 3500 a month that's uh, i mean our clients are typically small clients compared to most firms you know mm-hmm. if we had we have clients that would be 10 or you know $10,000 of core services and then we're doing 40,000 of advisory on top of that so it, it's really a way to leverage i mean when you think of growth you know, what an awesome way to get growth is just do that a whole bunch of times instead of going and getting a million new clients.
0: Yeah, true. And uh, yeah, I'm sure it's obviously helped with the attraction and retention of clients over the, the journey. But, you know, what, what do you find at the moment clients are valuing most if you needed to name one or two key areas?
1: Yeah, you know what? It's... It, Every client's a little bit different. They all look for different things. Uh, and so I think that's important to understand as you gotta figure out what what they need. But I would say insight. Um, you know, coming from our perspective as CPAs and advisors, we maybe look at their business and say, You're forgetting about this or you're not seeing that, or you're really excellent in this area, we need to build on that. So, you know, right now what I see a lot of clients talking about capacity and nobody's got capacity. And, you know, so it's it's uh, a lot of moaning and groaning about that. My perspective is the business that figures it out, the, the business that can get a handle on capacity has got a huge strategic advantage, huge competitive advantage. So, you know, and that's what, you know, the clients I work with, we're, we're all spending a lot of time working around that. So that kind of insight. The other thing I think is support. Um, you know, we deal with a lot of kind of small uh, shareholder groups. It might be one business owner, and you're kind of out there on your own. I know as managing partner, Veil is it like it's a lonely place to be, and so I was thankful for my managing partner colleagues that I got to meet with. But so yeah. being that kind of that support that you know that can just say yeah you're on the right track or you know raw rock, keep at it. And I guess the last piece I would say is accountability. I have so many clients that say, you know, if we didn't meet with you every month, I, I don't think we'd meet. Mm. And it's like, well, oh, when would you ever work on your business? So they're so busy working in their business, they never work on it. And and so I think that, that accountability piece is pretty huge as well.
0: Yeah, good point. Uh, so reflecting on the topic of winning higher value advisory work, if you needed to name the top three strategies you reflect on that's, you know, because I see a lot of firms that, you know, deliver the same sort of service. It might be a business health check or a diagnostic or strategic planning, and then the exact same on paper with somebody else. And it could be three to four times the difference in terms of the pricing associated with that. So what, what do you see as the sort of the key strategies, those that have sort of, sort of made that yeah. transition to those high value worker doing?
1: So, you know, most, most of what we do involves a one page plan. Um, but it's really how you get there and, and how you work it. So I'd say the, the key thing is, first of all, you need to know your client. So at Avail, we've developed a, what we call an Avail discovery process. Uh, so we have a discovery meeting, and if, if it's with an existing client, we call it a rediscovery meeting. So we've developed a, a process that guides anybody through what questions to ask, where to direct the conversation, what things you should ask about, to learn as much as you can about the client. And usually when we do that meeting, that's a two hour meeting, the client will name like five or six things that, yeah, yeah, we can help with that. Yeah, we can help with that. Yeah, we can help with that. And they usually get to, they don't have a strategy. Um, you know, a, a great way to find out where they are strategically is ask them for a copy of their strategic plan because mm-hmm. most, of our clients will give us this dumb look like what's a strategic plan? Nobody has one, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that discovery piece is critical. Um, the next thing I would say is, is we have to have proven processes. So we've developed. what well, we like a proven process, how you do a quarterly meeting, how you do a monthly meeting how you complete a one-page plan you start with now you go to where they come back with how that you know that whole there, we have a listed out you can follow it step by step yes. of how to do that and blend that in so that it's not frightening you're just you know you're not going into this unknown if you're just following a process mm-hmm. and so I think that's key and another thing that maybe it's a mistake so I get the strategy if you want to win high value you have to get past fee because uh, we sort of filter, we're our own worst filters. You know, our client can't afford us, so we don't even suggest it. So one thing we do is we address the fee right up front and say, look, this is going to cost X. And, you know, our goal is for you to have 100% return on investment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, quite frankly, if I can't earn at least the fee plus the fee again for the client, I you know, I'm not interested in working with them. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when clients ask, you know, in my, my view, our fee is free. Like we don't charge anything. They're going to make more in profitability improvement or more free time for themselves or whatever their value is, the value of their business than, than our fee. So, you know, address that right up front and talk about return on investment instead of shying away from the fee.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I think you've wrapped up all in, in that. Cause I think that three, uh, great, great points is, you know, from my observations of the way you and the team work, you've become unconsciously competent in the delivery as, as well. So I think that pulls through as well that you know that you can actually do a good job at fixing that. Um, I think some people are probably self sabotage themselves a little bit because they, they don't feel they've got the skills or the capability to fix these issues. But I think when you see that level of confidence, it uh, seems to shine yeah. through.
1: I, I think that's a great point, James. And that's we're having a, a process just follow the process you will get to the answer. So, I mean, I don't care what the business is. What do I know about manufacturing uh, trusses or steel sliding? I know nothing about this, but I know that the process will help the client get to the right answer. And, and so, you know, if we want to, you know, you want to win those high value engagements, you have to go in with that process. If you go in and say, well, let me, let me think about what we might do. Uh, you're not developing a lot of confidence in your client right off the bat. And then I I guess the last piece is I think we fail a lot right at the proposal stage. So we, again, we talk ourselves out of it or, uh, you know, we don't go it about the right way. One, one thing I learned from the book getting naked is just start advising. Like, like when I, when I very first client wants to talk about, what we could do for them, I will make sure that I give them some little nugget that's gonna save their business or make their business 50,000 bucks. You know, like, that's, mm-hmm. that. You just throw that in. And usually after you do that, it's when can we start?
0: Yes, yeah, and it's that sort of challenging nature, which I know you sort of do quite naturally because you're inquisitive about business and you're able to sort of then challenge from a good place, but it's, uh, yeah, until people have gone through that process of of trying these things and you know it feels a bit awkward at the start and then they get more confident and whether it's a strategic planning day they over prepare and and then all of a sudden they're in a a a nice sweet spot where the you know the prep time's gone from a day for a day of delivery to you know maybe an hour because they're getting more confident and they're able to then get a better return on the time they're investing overall Um, yeah so it's, it's some just don't do the practice
1: yeah and i think i think with that confidence piece or you know i don't know what to do um, you know most CPAs have got tons of experience they've seen many many businesses they're you know involved in a in a firm that's that's a you know they see a business operating firsthand and when in doubt just draw back on your own stories you know I, I don't know how often I'll just say well you know like I know you're struggling with retention what we do at avail is this yes. uh, or you know what I, I, I we had that problem and what we did was something else I mean those types of things are invaluable to, to the client. And when they see you kind of sharing it in a storytelling way, um, it kind of positions you as the expert as well.
0: Yes. So is there any other capabilities or, or, or traits um, that you see for those that are winning these high-value work? I mean, we've touched on you know practice and capability and having a process and the like, but is there anything else that jumps out at you?
1: Yeah, you know what, when I think about this, when we started looking at Avail, when we started deciding we needed to create more advisors, that's one of the first things we did is what are the attributes? You know, it's it's not for everybody. Um, so it, you're not going to have every one of your CPAs in a firm or, you know, and, you know, it's not everybody can't do it and won't do it well. But I would say number one is an advisory mindset. So you've got to get to the point where I see myself as an advisor. You know, I'm not an accounting an accountant, and when I have time, I'll advise. It's I'm an advisor, and, and that's my primary focus. The, the next piece is confidence, and, you know, that's a tough one, right? I don't know how you get confidence, but one of my young advisory partners says, hey, confidence is free. You can have as much of it as you want. It doesn't cost you anything, you know, yeah. so it's, it's just kind of going to do it and draw on that. Um, You know, the experience, so draw on your own experiences, recognize, you know, I'm lucky. I've got 40 years experience, 20 as managing partner, you know, running a firm, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, everybody's got experiences because they've seen many, many, many clients. Uh, I guess passion for business improvement. So, you know, it seems odd, but one of the areas that gets missed a lot, when advisors talk about services, is business improvement? How do we increase profitability? How do we make the business better? You know, so talk about strategy or visioning and all that stuff. But how? You know, how do I make my business better? Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that as accountants, we're in the most u- unique position to be able to see what's wrong and also to know what can help any client. So having a passion for that. Um, this is a this is a tough one. I. You, you have to be comfortable getting outside your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, you know, that's going to scare a lot of people off. But, you know, when I go in to meet with a client, I'm totally uncomfortable. Like, I have no idea what's going to happen. This could go any different directions. We could have tears. We could have shouting. We could have jumping for joy. I, I'm i scared. But I love that. I love being outside my comfort zone. You it's know, crazy. so I think you you've, you've got to bring that to it. Uh, And I think finally, be client focused. You know, if you go in trying to sell something, you will not uh, succeed. You've got to go in, how can I help that client?
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, again, I know this is how you approach it as well, but it's that packaging it up, something that's tailored to the the client, as you said, that client centricity. Um, But you're seeing, again, probably the firms that aren't getting as much success are just, you know, they've got such a rigid product that if something doesn't fit that square peg into a round hole, that, it, it, you know, it, it just, they can't make it work. <clears throat> um, and, and therefore, they can't seem to get the cut through. Um, but those that are very much starting with the client problem and saying, Well, hey, we'll, we'll fix that. Let's package something up. But, you know, lo and behold, they get yeah. the cut through,
1: you know, and it might be bringing in people from other firms or other disciplines that's what we've done that avail is anytime we've get enough critical mass that we can hire hr then we went and hired an hr consultant and now we're doing that with marketing and you know we're starting to do that with data analytics and you know it, it's just what do clients need and then let's make sure we can provide that
0: yeah no that's great so we've talked about the you know, traits of those that are getting success. If there's one hurdle you could state for firms that uh, maybe not getting success in this, because I've you know, seen so many false starts over the journey and people get busy and then, oh, look, we'll just park all this advisory stuff. And uh, is there one hurdle that you've seen, you know, wish more firms would overcome or is there one area that you think that they need to do better in to get
1: success? Yeah, well, there's, there's two hurdles and there are capability and capacity. Capability is a lot of work, but it's easy. There's resources like MindShop or other training or reading or uh, you know just internal training or coaching. The 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 capacity one that's the big problem because we're too busy and we're too busy doing this kind of comfortable core service work that there's an answer in a handbook or an Income Tax Act or you know like it's why would I why would I venture into scary zone? And so the hurdle that has to be overcome is we have to create capacity. And I think there's a couple of ways of doing that, but, you know, one is just hiring people that all they do is consult. You know, they don't get dragged into core services because they're they're just an HR consultant or, you know, in my case, I do zero core service work. I'm just a business advisor. Mm. Um, So that's one way to do it. And then the other is, is, you know, just not to overload people. And, you know, how do you do that now? You have to have fewer clients. Right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you have to choose to do more advisory work and then stop doing some core work in order yes. to allow you to yeah. do it. And and that's the biggest hurdle because most firms, uh, they struggle with that. And even if the champion wants to do it, it's hard to talk their partners into it.
0: Yes, yeah, and you'll see that. I was in, in a meeting last week where it was a similar conversation and and uh, thankfully the magic part was running me through how they're, they're pulling people back from being at this peak capacity it's quite easy just to keep filling up the cup to overflowing and most people are at that point now and they've obviously got you know, people challenges, but those that have got the strategies in place, they can yeah. say yes to the opportunities that present themselves. Otherwise, they're all ways, you know, trying to find slicker ways to market, slicker yeah. technology and that's just... Uh, 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 not addressing the core issue there so
1: uh, yeah. I, I agree. We, we're doing uh, at avails we've, we've got a group of we have six advisors in our group at avail now and, and you know we just we just make ourselves available like we will go in we'll initiate a meeting we'll be in there with another cpa we'll you know do it all our own whatever whatever is going to work we'll you know we're happy doing that so we just you know we've built the group that number one they're advisors and then they do core service as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's a credit to the leadership and the vision within the firm as well, because often that's not not in place, and therefore there's nobody that gets the support to make those sort of decisions to to have that. It's it's often the you know just keep running hard, harder on the hamster wheel, and um, so uh, no credit credit to the leadership in in there. Um, so so finally, if you could go back thirty years and give yourself. One bit of advice, as you said, you've been doing this for 40 years, but let's just say 30 or 40 years. Um, go back and give yourself one bit of advice to accelerate your performance as an advisor. What would that be if you could go back?
1: Yeah, you know what? It'd be to do everything sooner. <clears throat> so, you know, I, I would have blown up the firm sooner. You know, I, so I guess I accepted uh, less than what I wanted for too long. And you know, I wasn't the only one on that boat. I, I was fortunate to have a strong group of partners that, uh, that all saw the light. We should have done that sooner. Uh, personally, I should have shifted to advisory sooner. Um, you know, as soon as I became managing partner, you know, I had to wean off some clients and and yet I, I weaned them off, but I still kept a lot of core work. And that would, that would have been a great time just to get right into advisory right mm-hmm. off the bat. Um, so, again, making that transition to being an advisor rather than an accountant at an earlier stage. And then I think getting others involved with me sooner. You know, I, it was, again, a lonely, a lonely spot being the only guy in the firm yeah, trying you,
0: to do this. Yeah, you the guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, once I got Jeff Clark on board and then we got Jared on board and then, you know, Cassie and Ryan and then bringing in the HR and the marketing you know, all of a sudden we've got a pretty good group. And then we went out and hired an administrative support that's dedicated to advisory. So really building that standalone group, um, we could have done that sooner too. So, you know, I looked at everything I did personally, I did all the right things to be a great advisor. You know, I, I, you know, did great work experiences. I was managing partner, I learned from that, but I just didn't take advantage of it soon enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think uh, many of us would say bring, bring things forward a bit more if we are asked a similar question. But I, I think going through that journey of, is, is part of the uh, recipe of success as well. And I'm sure now all those traits that you've learned as an advisor then you got injected into the wider firm as, as well. So, uh, yeah, it's… Uh, yeah,
1: when, when I look at the firm now, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I'm still frustrated because I'm impatient. That's one of, my, one of my strengths is I'm impatient. Uh, so I need things to happen quickly and it, that help, helps me push things to get things quickly. But, you know, when I look at what we have accomplished, we, you know, we've done some good stuff at Avail and, and I think we do as a firm, we have an advisory mindset and that's, you know, that's gold, right? That's the, that's where you need to start, yeah. start down the track.
0: It's definitely the foundation. So, uh, no, well, let's, uh, that's probably a good place to uh, leave today's conversation. So, George, thank you uh, very, very much for sharing all your insights from the day. There's lots of great things that I'm sure people will take away into their own uh, journeys and uh, hopefully I'm sure take a few of your key points on board. So thanks again for being part of it.
1: Great. Well, thanks, James. I enjoyed it and I wish great success to everybody out there that's trying to make that shift to advisory.
0: Terrific. Thanks. Thanks, George.